Let us uh, ask God to bless the word this morning. Father, we give you thanks and praise once again. We thank you for your word, Lord. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto our path. And you said, Lord, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We thank you for this great word, Lord. And we ask your blessing over it, Lord. A fresh anointing over the word. A fresh anointing over your people this morning, Lord. Father, I pray that uh, when we leave here this morning, we will know because we know because we know that we have been in the presence of Almighty God. And we give you thanks for that. You said whenever two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of you. And we stand on your word this morning, Father. So let your word come forth with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that it does not depend on the man in the pulpit or his wisdom, but on your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we ask these things. And all God's people said, All right. Today I'd like to talk to you about how should we be living in view of Jesus' soon coming. But I'd like to touch on the past. That would be prophecy fulfilled. I'd like to touch on the future. Those prophecies that are yet to be fulfilled. And then I want to touch on the present. In view of all this, how should we be living, uh, knowing that Christ could come back at any time? Uh, first, I'd like to uh, read from Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. And I think this is included in here is uh, the past and the future. And you're going to be seeing much about the cross and what Jesus has done for us uh, in this psalm. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry gum. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we consider him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced, church, for our transgressions. He was crushed because of our iniquity. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. I'm just going to move on down to uh, verse 9, or 8b. For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was stricken. He was signed a grave with the wicked, uh, the criminals on the cross, and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see the offspring, his offspring, and prolong his days. May I suggest to you, church, that we are his offspring. Amen. We are the joy that was set before him when he endured that cross. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life, the resurrection, and be satisfied by his knowledge, my righteous servant, will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, that is the name above all names, 
and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and he was numbered with the transgressions for he bore the sin of many and made trans intercession rather for the transgressors. What a wonderful uh, book of the Bible. Isaiah has often been called the sixth gospel, if you will. Uh, so many messianic prophecies in there that many that have already been fulfilled and yet some to have yet to come to be fulfilled. Some hard evidence that Jesus Christ will return just as he said that he would is the Old Testament prophecies that are fulfilled in the New Testament. Three, um, three Psalms come to mind. For the sake of time, I'm just going to speak on each one of them a little bit, but Psalm 22, Psalm 23, and Psalm 24. And this has been sometimes called the cross, the crook, and the crown. It's very helpful to remember them in that way. The cross, 22, Psalm 22 speaks about the cross, and Jesus uh, used these words on the cross. He said, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in Aramaic, it's uh, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabatini. My God, my God. He's crying out to God. And if you read the rest of Psalm 22, it's, it's, it depicts uh, the cross and all the suffering of Jesus. Psalm 23, we know, and many of us uh, have put to memory that, that Jesus is, is the great shepherd. Peter called him the, the, uh, the good shepherd. He called himself the good shepherd. Peter called him the great shepherd and the chief shepherd. And um, you are very familiar with Psalm 23. Uh, one little girl was asked in Sunday school if, if she knew anything about the Psalm 23. And she said, yes, I know. And she said, well, what is it? She said, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. He's all I want. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Out of the mouths of babes comes wisdom. So there's some hard evidence. Uh, these psalms that are called the cross, the crook, and the crown. And Psalm 24 pictures uh, Christ coming in, in glory. He said, who is this king of glory? He's the Lord, the Lord Almighty, and he is coming. Amen? So those are a little overview of those three psalms. People often wonder... How can I stand on, on God's word? Uh, let's look, and I'm going to go through some scriptures very fast, and you might be better to write them down, uh, but if you can keep up with me, that's fine. If you're a, a Bible thumper and you can flip those pages. The first re reference I want to look at is, uh, how can we know that we can stand on God's word? Romans 8, 14 to 16. Romans 8, another beautiful chapter in the Bible. Amen. Verse 14, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons, or sons and daughters, children of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Now this is what I want you to grab from this. Verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We know because we know because we know because God has put his seal upon us, the seal that we've been redeemed with, the seal of the Holy Spirit that we belong to God, we are his. And when you know that, you know because you know because you know. Amen? And let's look at uh, 
1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 12. There's another reason we know that we can stand on God's, God's word. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his what? Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand what God has freely given us. We can stand on God's Word. Also, it takes faith. It takes faith to be able to stand on the Word of God. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is what? Being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. And verse 6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and He is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek Him. Amen to that. Psalm 18.30 narrows it down. It says, As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. And that is backed up in other scriptures. Uh, Proverbs 30 verse 5, which says, Every word of God is flawless. Let's look at 1 John 5, 6 to 10. 1 John 5, verses 6 to 10. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water alone, but by water and blood. The water, referring to, it, it, some circles believe that it's referring to the uh, baptism, and the blood, of course, referring to his death. And it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that testify, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. In agreement. Now look at verse 9. We accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his Son. And anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. And anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar, because he has not believed the testimony of God that has, he has given about his son. So we have this testimony of the word of God in our heart. We, we can stand on the word. And Second um, Peter 1.21 says that prophecy, or the word of God, never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God, or spoke for God, as they were moved or carried along, by the Holy Spirit. Well, there's another scripture that's back in there. Other scriptures, I had to uh, limit myself because I could go on and on. <laughs> and uh, one time, this, uh, a gentleman came to me and he said, "You know what, Pastor? That was a good message, but you got so many, too many scriptures in there." I said, "You know what? When God called me, this is what He said. He spoke to my spirit. Preach the word." Not philosophy, not fluff. Preach the word. So that's why I use so many scriptures. And that's what I told him, and he got out of my face. No. 
He never came to church again. No, I'm only kidding. Uh, John 1, uh, verses 1 to 3 and verse 14 speaks to Jesus' deity and his incarnation. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Speaks to his deity. And the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He became a man. It speaks to the incarnation. Um, also, we have documented eyewitnesses which gives proof of Christ's existence. His deity, his humanity, his glory, his death, his burial and resurrection, and his ascension. We have 500 plus witnesses, the Bible says. Let's go to Luke chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. And I've got my, I cheated on you because I got all my scriptures marked here. I can get to them quick. Luke chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. You're there, say amen. Okay. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write the orderly account to you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. Okay. Now let us go to Luke 24, verses 44 to 48. Luke 24, verses 44 to 28. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. This is, we know, we know this discourse as the road to Emmaus. This is what is written, that Christ will suffer, oh, excuse me, 45, then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. What a Bible study that must have been, huh? And he told them, this is what is written, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but say in the city, until you have been clothed with power from on high. Did I get all the verses I wanted? Yeah, I think I went one beyond. That's okay. And finally, um, 1, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 6. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. Listen to this verse now. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. So we have all these witnesses here uh, from the word of God. We know that we can stand on God's word. Amen.
So that's a little touching on the past. That'll move us to, then, and we call that prophecy fulfilled. Now it'll move us to uh, the future. Prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled. I believe it's safe to say that Jesus Christ will return just as he said he would. Can you amen that? John chapter 1, uh, excuse me, 14 verses 1 to 3. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions, the King James says. Many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will what? Come again and receive you unto myself, so that where I am, there you will be also. And we sing that song, what a glorious day that will be. Amen. So, it's safe to say. The next event that I believe in my theology, and it's, which is pretty conservative and, and reformed, the next event to take place in the future will be the rapture of believers who are living and the resurrection of those who have died in the faith. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 18. A very familiar passage. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the air, with the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And so will we be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Hallelujah. That's quite an encouragement. So, we see the rapture of believers, and we see that four things happen here. The return of Christ in the air, the resurrection of the dead in Christ, the rapture of believers, and a reunion, amen? A reunion with those who have died in the faith. Once the saints have been removed from the earth, the next event to take place according to the Bible is the tribulation which Christ spoke about in Matthew 24, verses 4 to 8. Matthew 24, verses 4 to 8. I'm just giving you excerpts, so uh, for time's sake, we can't read the whole chapters here. But verse 4, Jesus said, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Uh, have we not seen that in our day with Jim Jones and David Koresh claiming to be Christ and leading all those people astray? There was uh, another group in, in Japan where they all dressed in white and the, the leaders had them jump off a cliff or something. It's crazy stuff. But for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. We know we're living in those times. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen. And, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famine and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains, Jesus said. If you have the red letter edition, <laughs> it's what Jesus said. Okay? And John spoke about this in Revelation chapter 6, which uh, often is called the four horsemen. 
And we believe that everything is falling into place. There's a new song, and I like to pick out excerpts from songs, and it said, the world's not falling apart, it's falling into place. Why? Because who's still on the throne? Who is still able to turn what is evil into good? Like he did with Joseph. The Lord is still on the throne. Amen? And we can be sure that the world, it may look like it's falling apart, but it's actually falling into place. And God's going to make it a whole brand new world. Behold, I make all things new. We're going to talk about that. I don't want to get ahead of myself. So we believe that everything's falling into place. According to the signs of our times, I think it's safe to say that we are on the threshold of the rapture. It could happen at any time. And we could be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And then the tribulation period. And the four horsemen, which I spoke about in uh, Revelation chapter 6, if you want to go there real quick with me, we'll just read excerpts from that. Revelation chapter 6. And I watched as the Lamb opened the first of seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a loud voice, like thunder, come. I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. That's the white horse. Then the Lamb opened the second seal, and I heard the second living creature say, come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. To him was given a large sword. When the land opened the third seal, I heard the living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice from the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a day's wages and three quarts of barley for a day's wages. Do not damage the oil or the wine. Um, as I said, I'm just not going to continue reading on that, but I'd just like to say this about that. The white horse represents a rider with conquering power, bent on conquest. The red horse and that rider represents war and bloodshed. The black represents famine and the pale horse and the rider represents pestilence and death. This is speaking to the tribulation period. A quick overview in the Bible. We go from creation to Adam to the fall to Noah, the flood, and then the great promise made to Abraham that the Messiah would come from his seed. Amen? It was, it was, it was given again to Isaac. It was given again to Jacob. The seed of Abraham and that all nations would be blessed by him. Jesus is Abraham's seed. And we are called Abraham's uh, children in, in the faith because Abraham was what? Credited to him as righteousness because he believed God. And all who believe, in that sense, uh, Abraham the father of our faith. You're saved by grace through faith, and this is not of ourselves. It's a gift of God that no one can boast. And what a beautiful gift faith is, isn't it? It's an awesome gift. Faith can move the hand of God. Hallelujah. So Galatians 4.4 4 speaks to that. It says, When the time had fully come, God sent his son, 
born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might have full rights as sons and daughters of God. We have full rights as sons and daughters. We are heirs, joint heirs with Christ. How beautiful that scripture is. From here, we go to the cross, the life, life and ministry of Christ, and then to the cross. To the cross, we move to the church age, which we are in right now. We are in the church age. This is considered the church age which we now live. From here we have what is yet to come, that is the rapture, the tribulation, the millennial reign of Christ, the great white throne judgment of the unbelievers, right? Uh, to the new heaven and to the new earth, which is sometimes called the eternal state. And as I said before, what a glorious day that will be when we come to that place. And so that's touching on the future. Now, let's get to the message. Let's cut to the chase. That brings us to touching on the present. How should we be living knowing that Christ could come at any time? And I've made a little outline for us here. A, B, C, D, E. A, we are to walk in submission to God's word and his will. James 4, verses 7 and 8. Submit yourself then to God Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. And I love the picture he gives. Someone who listens to the word, but doesn't do what it says, is like a man who looks in a mirror. He needs a shave, his hair is uncombed and unkept, his face is dirty, and he walks away <laughs> and does nothing about it. Do not merely listen to the word, but do what it says. Amen? John, uh, Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things. Jesus will take care of the rest. All these other things will be added unto you. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Many of you know it by heart. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. He shall make your path straight. So number one, we have to walk in submission to God's word and to his will. Number two, uh, or B, worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. This is what Jesus told the lady at the well. The time is coming and has now come when men will not worship on this mountain or in Jerusalem, but they will worship the Lord in spirit and truth. And meditating on that, is this is what I believe God was saying to me about this. We worship the Lord in spirit. Where the Old Testament, they worshiped with burnt offerings and they brought all these things. But now we worship in God in spirit because his spirit is within us. And spirit and truth. What's the truth part? The truth is we worship God because of who he says he is. That's the truth. And Jesus said, and this is eternal life, that, you, that they may know you and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. So, we're to worship. And Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. 1 Peter 2, 9, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are to worship the Lord in spirit and truth, as we did this morning. Praise the Lord. C, so always a W's to help you, a little alliteration there to help you remember him. So the first one was what? Walk in obedience uh, to the word and the will of God. The second one was to worship the Lord in spirit and truth. The third one, witness regularly as long as it is called today. 2 Corinthians 6.2 Behold, today is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. As long as it's today, we need to be witnessing. And ask God to help you with that. And he will. 1 Peter 3.15 Always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason that you have the hope that you have. Always be ready to give an answer. Tell them why you know, because you know, because you know. You know, one time I was witness to someone and I said, well, I have the Spirit of God in me because I've been born again. He says, what makes you think you got the Spirit of God and, and everybody don't have it? I said, because if you had somebody living inside of you, you'd know it. Amen? <laughs> I know because I know because I know. He's living in me. Therefore, I, uh, Paul said, uh, I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me, and the life that I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Praise him. We need to witness regularly, church. Uh, John chapter 9, verse 3b. Jesus, speaking to the disciples, says, The harvest is what? Plentiful. But the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send out workers. But he's not saying, oh, you know, I pray that this guy goes, or that guy goes, or she goes, or this one goes. You should say, as Isaiah said, Lord, what? Send me. And then pray that God will bring, raise up other workers for the harvest. But the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So that's C, witness regularly. D, Work for the Lord wholeheartedly. Work for the Lord with all your heart, wholeheartedly. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, always giving thanks to God the Father through him. I put that on my business card to remind me who my boss is, the Jewish carpenter. Amen. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, always giving thanks to God the Father through him. Work for the Lord wholeheartedly. Uh, let's go to Romans chapter 12, verses 6 to 8. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 to 8. Romans 12. I call it the, uh, the second love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, but uh, there's a portion of this chapter that, uh, starting in verse 9, but we're not going there today. We've got, we're starting in verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. 
So, let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Beautiful scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. 15, verse 58. You ready? Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. God is a rewarder for those who earnestly seek him and serve him. And we know that we have a great reward in, in Jesus Christ. So, work for the Lord wholeheartedly. Last scripture in that category. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has planned beforehand for us. God's got something for each and every one of them, each and every one of us, and he's given us a gift to use. And he's given us the faith to use that gift in the measure that he has given us. So let's serve the Lord wholeheartedly. Work for the Lord wholeheartedly. And finally, E, watch and what? Pray. Watch and pray. Jesus told the disciples this, watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. Be alert, be sober-minded. Watch and pray. Um, Philippians 4, verses 4 and following. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious for everything, but for anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and what? The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. First Thessalonians 5, 16 to 19. Be joyful always. Pray continually in everything. Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Ephesians 6, verse 18. After Paul went through all the um, armor of God, the belt of truth, the, uh, the breastplate of the feet, the, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of, of righteousness, he said, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints. Why does he always keep on praying for the saints? Because the devil knows those who are unbelievers. He's got them. He's going after us. And he can't take away our salvation, but he can try to ruin our testimony and keep us from holy serving the Lord. Get us snarled up and uh, cause us trouble. In Second Peter three eight to fourteen, and I'm bringing this in. Second Peter three eight to fourteen. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some can understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. 
the elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought we to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God and speed is coming, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hebrews 10, 24. Just another scripture here. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not stop meeting together. I see some empty pews here this morning. And I see them in, in my own church, in Coventry and other churches that I've been in. Let us not stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. It's not far off, church. The day is approaching rapidly. And in closing, Philippians 3, verses 13b and 14, Paul speaking, saying by the Spirit, One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let me suggest to you that some people are so bogged down by the past and so concerned and dwelling on the past that they cannot enjoy the moment. They, they are not living in the present. And some people are so worried and concerned about the future that they can't live in the present. Let, it, that, let that not be said of us. Let us be present day people. Amen? Let us put the past behind us, as Paul said, and move on to being what God has called us to be and do. We are a people of the future. Jeremiah 29.11 I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. We are pilgrims just passing through. We are citizens of heaven. We expectantly wait for our hope of glory, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't know when Christ will return, but we are closer today than we were yesterday. Amen? And I'm closing now. This is how we prepare for his coming, by applying his word to our lives. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. I have hidden thy word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Um, 119.11, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, I already did one for you. Um, let's not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but let us be transformed by the renewing of our mind so we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, referring back to Hebrews 11, the hall of fame, of faith, um, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that entangles, uh, everything that hinders, rather, and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that God has marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, 
the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, and you were the joy set before him. You and every other one that would come to salvation in Jesus Christ. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you don't grow weary and lose heart. Amen. One last scripture, or two last scriptures. I told you this was chock full of scriptures. <laughs> Second Chronicles 7.14 If, who's his people? If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. God knows we need healing of the land in America. Amen? And he's the only one that can do it. We are to watch and pray, trust and obey, obey, because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey so that we don't fall asleep. Watch and pray so we don't fall asleep. I'll leave you with 1 John 3, verses 1 to 3. How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is because it does not know him. But now we are children of God. What we will be has not yet been made known, but we know when he appears, we will be like him. But we shall see him as he is. What a glorious day. If Jesus come today, if he came today, would you be ready? Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your word. So chock full of encouragement and promises and yet warnings, Father. And we thank you for that. We thank you for your discipline that corrects us, that gets us back in line, Lord, when we are drifting or tending to go astray. And I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that has yet given their heart to Jesus Christ, as we sang that song, this morning, I pray that they will decide to follow Jesus. Lord, that you would move by your Holy Spirit and touch their hearts. Let them know your great promise of salvation, your plans for a future for us, Lord, eternal life in Christ Jesus. You can have that. It's a free gift of God. You can't work for it. It doesn't matter how good of a person you think you may be and or if you're a philanthropist and you give your monies to charities and different things, it's not about working for it. It's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. So, Father, if there is one here this morning, I pray, Lord, that you move in their heart and bring them just to confess Jesus as Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says you shall be saved, for it's the heart you believe and are justified, and it's with the mouth you confess and are saved. Just simply ask Jesus, Lord Jesus, come into my heart right now, this morning. Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and I believe you died for my sins. I want to receive you now as my Lord and, your sa and Savior. And Lord, that you might bless me with your Holy Spirit. It will help me to learn your word and to grow in the grace and knowledge of you. I ask it and I believe by faith that you answer that prayer and that no way you would cast me out. In Jesus' name, amen.